0: On Sunday night, we're in a sermon series entitled, Women of Faith. And we're looking at women who showed a remarkable degree of faith. Many of them, we don't even know their name, but God does. Many of them were never known down here, but in heaven their name is proclaimed. Mark chapter 12. Verse 41 through 44, a poor woman's faith. Now before we read the scripture, let me remind you that without faith it's impossible to please God. But to those who come to him by faith they shall be rewarded. On earth, we have a currency. It's called money. In heaven, there is a currency. It's called faith. With money, you can go to the stores on earth and you can buy things. With faith, you can go to the stores in heaven and you can buy things. So far in our series, we've seen two women... One was a harlot, the other was a Samaritan woman who purchased life-changing, soul-saving salvation with their faith. We saw how a woman who had been sick for 18 years, suffering from a condition that no human doctor could help her with, and yet she bought by faith healing. We saw how a mother bought by faith the resurrection of her son from the dead. We saw how another woman by faith purchased a freedom for her daughter that was demon-possessed. Tonight we're going to look at a woman who by faith purchased a commendation from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Mark chapter 12, beginning with verse 41. And Jesus sat over against the treasury of the temple. And behold, how the people cast money into the treasury. And many that were rich gave much. There came a certain poor widow, and she threw into the collection plate, the offering, if you will, the receptacles, she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. Jesus called his disciples and he spoke to them. He said, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow has cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance. But she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. A poor woman's faith. Our story tonight is a true story. And it's a sad story in the beginning. It's the story of a woman living in poverty. She has no husband, he's dead. She has no sons or daughters, she has no children, she is childless. She has no family. Maybe they too have already died. Maybe they live a great distance from her and are no longer part of her life. Maybe they're a dysfunctional family. And they don't have any love or help toward one another or towards her. Whatever the case, this lady is dirt poor and she's on her own by herself in a cruel world of her time just like we have a cruel world in our time. She is utterly destitute. The word poor that is used in the Uh, Verses we just read means to be utterly destitute. To have absolutely nothing. How many of you people, how many people do you know that have absolutely nothing? We know people that are poor, we know people that don't have much. But I can't say in all my years of life I've ever met somebody who has absolutely nothing. This woman had absolutely nothing. She doesn't even have the basic necessities of life. She lives on the street. She sleeps in a lean-to or in some back alley every night. She doesn't have to worry about what she's going to wear, ladies, each day. She has one outfit and she wears that outfit every day of every week of every month of every year. That's her winter wardrobe and that's her spring wardrobe. That one outfit. It's old, it's ragged, it's a hand-me-down that she picked up, probably from some rummage bin. Her food is leftovers from a garbage can. Crumbs from somebody who has been eating on the street and their food dropped on the sidewalk. Her food is rotten meat and vegetables that were thrown out for the hogs to eat or the wild animals to eat, and she beat them to the punch. And that's the way she lives every single day of her life in that kind of poverty. I can't overstate the situation. I can't overemphasize the circumstance. I cannot say it to you any plainer or clearer than this. She has absolutely nothing except the clothes on her back and two coins in her hand. These two coins that she holds are called mites. Mites are a coin that are worth a fraction of a penny. Two mites don't even equal one cent. She's got the clothes on her back and two coins that aren't worth one cent put together. Now, where did she get those coins? (laughs) Well, probably somebody felt sorry for her and gave her one of them, or both of them. Or maybe she was walking down the sidewalk and saw one of them laying on the ground. A mite was so worthless to the people in Jesus' day that the wealthy people, if they dropped one on the ground, they wouldn't even bother to pick it up. We see a lot of pennies on the ground today sometimes. Every time I go to the car wash and vacuum my car, you'll be surprised at the amount of change that's thrown on the ground. I pick it up. But nobody else does. Nobody wants pennies and nickels and dimes. But if you get enough of them, it makes a dollar. Well, maybe she found a coin lying there. Some rich man dropped it. Said, "I'm not even. I'm not going to. It ain't even worth picking up." But nevertheless, she has two coins, two mites that aren't even worth a penny. And on this day, this poor widow goes to the temple. She goes to the women's section of the temple. And there they're taking an offering up on Passover day. As the offering plate is passed, as the offering plate is made available, as the receptacles are perhaps on the wall where you can drop in your offering to 13 different needs, you might say. She takes her two coins and places them in the plate. That's all she's got. But she gives all that she's got. Now it's interesting, somebody was watching who was giving that day in the temple. His name was the Lord Jesus Christ. That temple was his temple. By the way, this church is his church. And he was watching. And as he watched what she did, he gave her one of the greatest commendations found in the Bible. If a president was to call us up and invite us to Washington, and on national TV was to call our name and give us a commendation, we would think that's a big deal. I'm telling you, this widow got a commendation from somebody greater than a president. She got it from the commander-in-chief of heaven himself. And he commended her for what he saw her give that day in the church of her day to the work of God in that day. Look at verse 43 and 44. Jesus says, Verily I say to you. That word verily means truly. This poor widow has cast more into the collection plate than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in their abundance. But she of her want did cast in all she had, even all of her living. Wow. What can we learn from this story? Because remember, the Bible just doesn't tell a story so we can walk around and repeat the story. Every story in the Bible is not just about a widow. It's not just about a widow in the temple. It's not just about a widow in the temple who gave to the offering of God, but it's about you and I. You and I in the church. You and I who one day might be asked to give to an offering ourselves, even as we did tonight. What are some things we can learn from this widow who is in heaven's hall of fame because she exhibited a faith that Jesus commended her for? She didn't give a percentage of her finances, she gave it all. What are some things we can learn very quickly tonight? Let me give you six principles real quick. Principle number one, the Lord Jesus give, uh, the Lord Jesus sees what we give to His work. That bothers some of you? The Lord Jesus sees what we give to His work. Verse 41 it says, "And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld. He beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. That word beheld means to watch something with intent interest. It actually means to stare at somebody. If I was beholding you, I'm staring at you. I'm not just curiously interested in you, I'm staring at you. And Jesus was putting the stare on every single person that walked in that temple that day and was giving tithes and offerings to the temple and to the work of God, the ministry. And he saw what she gave. He saw what everybody gave. There's a man by the name of John Broadus who was a pastor some years ago. And he decided that when the ushers came to take up the offering, as we did tonight, he would follow the ushers. Now, can you imagine, as our ushers were passing the collection plate, your pastor's following them. And everything that people put into that collection plate, the pastor watched them. He even went so far as when people put in their little little envelopes he picked up some of the envelopes and looked in them while the offering's being passed. Can you imagine that? You thought you were going to hide it in an offering envelope. And he reached over and got looked at it. You folded your check. Well, he reached in the plate and unfolded it. John Broadus did that during an offering. And he did it not just one Sunday, he did it for several Sundays. Now his congregation got mad at him. And now that word mad is with a capital M. It made them very uncomfortable. It made them squeamish. It made them embarrassed. It brought a little shame to the people. Because the pastor's following the ushers and looking at everybody who gives. Staring them down. Checking the envelopes, looking at the checks. The people got upset about it. They said, we don't feel comfortable with you watching us. Stop it. It's none of your business. And you know what he said? If I make you so uncomfortable watching what you give, what about Jesus? Ladies and gentlemen, when we give, it's not necessary. I know what you give and I don't, and you don't know what I give. But it is necessary we remember that Jesus knows. He watches what we give. You say, well, I put it in an envelope. He can see through the envelope. I fold my check twice. That's okay. You can fold it three times. He can see through the fold. This lady, what she gave was noticed by Jesus. Jesus knows why we give the motive. And he knows how much we give the amount. If Jesus was watching your giving, would you feel uneasy? Would you feel uncomfortable? Would you feel embarrassed? Would you feel ashamed? How would you feel? Jesus was watching the offering that day, and he saw it all. Secondly, the Lord Jesus not only sees the offering that we give, but he also sees the sacrifice that goes with the offering we give. Notice it says in verse 43 and 44, particularly verse 44, that a lot of the big shots in the church gave a lot of money that day. But in comparison to what they had, it was peanuts. The widow gave all that she had that day. She didn't have much, but what she had, she gave it all. They did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even unto her living. The widow didn't give 10%. She didn't quibble over whether you're supposed to give your tithe on the gross or the net. She didn't pay her bills first. And give God the chump change that was left. She gave it all. All. Two mites. Not even a penny. That's all she had. And she gave it all to the Lord. A lot of people gave that day. And they gave a lot. And Jesus doesn't demean people who can give a lot. He's just saying that this little widow, she gave more than they did because she didn't give out of her abundance. She gave everything she had. Our Lord not only looks at the motive we give and the amount we give, but He looks at how much we keep back for ourselves. If we had a millionaire in the house and the millionaire wrote a check for $10,000 and dropped it into collection plate, every one of us would say, Wow, that's good. Great offering. But what's $10,000 to a millionaire? About 1% of his wealth, his income. In other words, he keeps 99% for himself, he gives God 1%. What did this widow do? She gave the Lord less than a penny, but that's all she had. But she gave 100% of what she had, and she had nothing left. Who made the sacrifice? The millionaire or that little lady? I was talking to a man many years ago who used to be a faithful tither to God's work, when he didn't make a lot of money. When he made $100, he faithfully gave $10 of that to the Lord. When he made $250, he faithfully gave $25 to the Lord. But God blessed him in time. And this man who made $100, this man that made $250, there came a time in his life when he was making about a half a million dollars. He should have been giving $50,000 to the Lord's work. But he wasn't. He said, Pastor, that's too much money to give. That's too much to give. I said, well, maybe God needs to make you poor. Because when you were poor, you used to give your tithe. Now that you're wealthy, you don't give it no more. It's all about sacrifice, not only why we give, not only how much we give, but how much do we hold back. She gave it all. Thirdly, our Lord expects His people to give. Notice in verse 41, Jesus watches all the people who come into the temple that day. He watches the big shots. He watches the undershots. He watches the up and inners. He watches the down and outers. He watches the filthy rich. He watches the filthy poor and everybody in between. He's watching. I'd like to think he was standing over in the corner, leaning up against the wall. watching. That's what the word behold means. He was watching with interest. But notice, everybody gives. The rich gave, the poor gave. Those who had much gave, those who had nothing, like this widow gave. But they all gave. What I'm trying to say to you, ladies and gentlemen, is nobody who is a child of God, if that's who you are, gets a pass on giving. There's no exemptions, there are no exceptions, there's no... Exclusions, there are no excuses. As God is so provided for you, you so honor Him by giving Him a portion of it back. Everybody is to have skin in God's game. There's no freeloaders. Why does God want us to give? Because God needs our money, Pastor. No, He doesn't. He owns a thousand cattle on a thousand hills. He doesn't need your money or mine. He owns all the gold and silver in the world, the Bible says. He doesn't need our money. Why does God want us to give? Why does God want us to be involved in the giving ministry of the church? Even if all we have is a few pennies to throw in, why does God want us to give? Because God is a giver himself. And God wants us to be like Himself, does He not? To be like Jesus, to be like Jesus. My one desire is to be like Him. Well, if you want to be like the Lord Jesus, if you want to be like God Almighty, you will be a giver. Because God is a giver. God gave us His Son, the Lord Jesus. God gave us His Spirit. God gives us His blessings each and every day. And you know how we say thank you to Him? By giving back to Him. When we give, we're acknowledging that He's a God of giving and we're going to be a people of giving. Do you know man is the only creature that God created with the capacity to want to give? If you saw two dogs going down the sidewalk, Big dog, two bones in his mouth. Little dog coming toward him. No bone in his mouth. He's just a little runt dog. A scoundrel, you might say. A mongrel. He ain't had much to eat. And here comes the big dog with two bones. Two bones, mind you, with plenty of meat on them, in his mouth. And he meets the little dog who has no bone and is hungry. Now, Big Dog is going to pause and look at Little Dog. He's going to reach his paw up and take out one of his bones and give it to Little Dog. Right? Wrong. Big Dog's going to brush right by Little Dog. He could care less if Little Dog has a bone. He could care less if little dog is starving to death, could care less if little dog dies. The nature of an animal is what's mine is mine and it's not yours. But when God created you and I, He gave us a capacity to give. Why? Because He's a God who gives. And He placed within our heart, I hope, a desire to want to give not just give to our fellow man, but more importantly, to give to him. You want to be like God? Be a giver. Give of yourself. Fourthly, our giving reflects our love for God. Our giving reflects our love for God. How much do you love God? Show me a checkbook. You know, the IRS, when they audit you, I hope you don't get audited by the IRS, but if you do, a full-blown audit, they want you to bring all of your bank records with you. Now, by the way, they already have them. You know that, don't you? They're just asking you to bring them to see if you're going to bring them and bring the right ones because they've already got the records in their hand. But you know why they want your bank records before you come in for the audit? Because through those bank records, they can see how you spent your money. And they begin to develop a profile on you based on how you spend your money. Imagine that. The IRS, those friendly folks in Washington, can figure out you and I by simply looking at our cancel checks. Oh, Pastor Jim likes to eat out. Look at all these restaurants. Jane likes to buy clothes. Look at all those clothing stores. So-and-so likes to trade in cars. every, Every month they're doing something. You see, they develop a profile off our giving. And if the IRS can develop a profile of who we are by our giving, how much more can God do that? Matthew 6.21 says, where your money goes, there your heart will follow. Where your money goes, where that goes, this follows. My heart follows my money. My giving reflects my love. You understand that? What I give to is what I'm going to love. And so when you give, whatever you give to on a regular basis, however you give, that is a reflection of what you love. This widow loved God. How do you know she loved God, Pastor? It doesn't say she did, because what did she do? She put her money into the house of God. She not only gave her money to the house of God, she gave all of her money to the house of God. Heard the story about a little girl who wanted to give something to the Lord. So when the ushers passed the plate, she didn't have any money. She's just a little girl. But she had a princess ring that her grandmother had given her. And she took the princess ring off and she laid it in the collection plate. Well, the usher saw what she gave. And as the money went back into the collection agent area where they counted and so forth, the offering was pretty good that night. And the usher said to himself, he said, You know, this little girl gave this ring, but we had a good offering tonight. I think what I'm going to do is take the ring and give it back to her. So after the service, he found the little girl, and he came up to her and he said, Listen, we appreciate you giving this ring to help out with the church's finances. But the church is doing okay. We had a good offering tonight, so I'm giving this back to you. We don't need it. And the little girl looked at him and she said, Sir, I didn't give it to you. I gave it to the Lord. I didn't give it because the church needed it or didn't need it. I gave it because I loved the Lord and I wanted to give it to Him. Don't give to meet budget. Don't give to pay off debt. Don't give so we will meet our mission goal. Give because you love the Lord. And when you love the Lord, your heart will follow your giving and your giving will follow your heart. Fifthly, our giving is a reflection of our faith, is it not? Remember, this is women of faith. I told you that this widow had faith. She's in God's hall of fame, I believe. How do we know she had faith? Because she understood that God is able. God is able to take what I give and use it for His glory. That's what she said. Think about that. God is able to take the two mites that I have, less than one cent. God is able to take this one cent that I give him and use it for his glory. What faith. You can't even, I don't know what you can get for a penny anymore. You can't get much for a dollar anymore. Five dollars won't get you a whole lot. And yet this widow had the faith to believe If she gives the Lord all she's got, which is less than a penny, God is a big enough God that he's able to take it and use it for his glory. She also had enough faith to understand that God is able to take what she had left. (laughs) Take what she had left and meet all of her needs. Now, what did she have left? Help me out. Nothing. That her God is so big. That he'll provide a place for her to sleep. He'll provide a meal for her to eat. He'll provide a new t-shirt to put on her back. She doesn't got nothing, but that's okay. God will take care of her. Isn't that faith? Some of you say, Pastor, all I can give is $5. That's, I only make $50, so I can only give 5 Listen, God can take that $5 and save a soul. And God can take the $45 you left and make it like you got $75. He has a way of stretching money. God is a money-stretching God. And then lastly, and I'm through, there were religious racketeers in Jesus' day who were stealing the people of God's money. Does that surprise you? Watch TV and you won't be surprised. Look at verse 38 through 40. Remember, we're talking about Sunday morning, how context is important. Why does Jesus talk about this widow? Why does he talk about her giving? Why does he point it out to the disciples? Because look at verse 38 through 40 leading up to this. Notice what Jesus says about the religious leaders. These are the big shots of the day. Beware of the scribes. Religious big shots. He could also put the Pharisees and the Sadducees in that bunch too. Which love to go in long clothing. And love the salutations they receive in the marketplaces. The chief seats in the synagogue are theirs, and they sit in the most respected seats at feast. Verse 40, yet they devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers. These shall receive great damnation. The religious leaders in Jesus' day were crooks. I don't know any other way to say it. They were religious racketeers whose mission was to fleece the people of God for every dollar they could get out of them so they could build their own empire. Not God's empire, their empire. Because they had to live in a big house and big houses cost a lot of money. They had to have five chariots in their driveway. Chariots cost a lot of money. If you're going to eat lobster and filet mignon, it takes a little bit of money. If you're going to have six or seven vacation houses and call them ministry houses, it takes some money. If you're going to wear $5,000 Italian suits, it takes some money. If you're going to make sure your animals live in an air-conditioned doghouse, it takes some money. And they were masters at fleecing the people of that day out of their money. And by the way, their cousins are alive today. And they're still doing the same thing, but I hope they're not doing it to you. Religious racketeers, in the name of Jesus, think about this, in the name of Jesus, stealing from God's people money that's supposed to go to ministry, and it's going in their own pockets. You say, Pastor, tell us some names. I'm not telling you no names. I don't give them free advertisement. But I can tell you this, and you listen to me, about 90% of them on certain Christian television shows are crooks. And the network knows they're crooks. But the network allows them to be crooks because they get a kickback. And every one of them, they have a 60-minute television show. 59 minutes of it's talking about how to get your money. And they claim to be trying to share the gospel. They're not sharing no gospel. If you be still long enough, this is what you'll feel. They're reaching right in your pocket. And they're using these terms, seed money. If you ever hear that phrase in any way, shape, or form, seed money, you better run and hold your wallet when you're going. Because that's a catchphrase for sucker, give me your money. Jubilee giving. Hold your wallet and run as fast as you can. Prosperity investing. Hold your wallet. Get as far as you can. We've got a medical work going on. We need your money so we can take care of these poor folks overseas. When you give to it, 90% of it comes out at administrative costs. And guess where it goes? in that big multi-million dollar mansion that they're going to live in while they take care of those poor little sick people with the less 10%. Educational ministry, they say. We want to give a Bible to everybody. Well, they'll give a Bible to everybody after they take out 90% for their own cost. Do you understand, your pastor? God's people better be smart because there's a lot of people out there trying to steal your money. And if you got that kind of money and you want it to be stolen, throw it up here, I'll take it. At least I'll be honest with you. I do have to respect Reverend Ike in closing. Reverend Ike was a prosperity preacher out of New York. Used all these same tactics to get people's money for years. Finally, Reverend Ike got... Tired of being a fraud. He was a fraud, but he got tired of being a fraud. So he just told people, listen, there ain't nothing to any of this. You're giving me the money, I'm spending it. You know what? People still gave to him. And he's still spending their money. At least he was honest about it. This widow is in God's hall of fame. Because she loved the Lord so much, she gave Him all she had. I leave that with us. Heads are bowed in Isaiah.